Well, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, my, my goal in this series is really quite simple. I want to change the way you think about the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Ten Commandments are not a straitjacket, rather they are the limits that lead to freedom. Uh, the Ten Commandments really, they're the answer to the question, what is the good life? Uh, the Ten Commandments are the outline, or they're God's outline of the good life. And, and who better to answer that question, right, than God, the, the God of the universe? Uh, and so, in other words, the Ten Commandments are not the opposite of God's grace. These rules are the extension of God's grace. They're, they're how we experience God, God's grace in our lives, the Ten Commandments. And so, uh, we've been looking at them and uh, going through each one of them. And uh, this morning, we're looking at a new commandment. We're looking at the fourth commandment. Uh, we're looking at the commandment that has to do with keeping the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath rest. Now, uh, you, th you think about rest. Uh, uh, several years back, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law did a master's program in the subject of organizational psychology. And I don't know about you, but I, I know psychology and I know organizations, but what in the world is organizational psychology. And so I was asking him, you know, what is it that you're studying? And he said this. He said, uh, what I do, what I'm studying is, is how to make organizations more psychologically healthy, organizational psychology. How do you make the workplace, how do you make the work environment a place that is healthy for people? And then he brought up this topic, and I never forgot it. He said that, you know, one of the biggest problems that I'm studying about, one of the biggest problems when it has to do with Americans and their work life is something called work-life balance, right? And he, and he said that here, it's, he said it's a huge problem in, in, in our country. Americans don't know how to limit their work, and so their work bleeds into the rest of their lives, right? They're, they're busy, and they're busy all the time, and their work just sort of, sort of bleeds in uh, to their family life, and their weekends, and they can't sleep at night. And it's not just when they're working, it's, it's even when you're off work and you're worried about work. It brings anxiety, it brings stress, and you can't sleep at night, things like that. Work-life balance. He says it's the biggest problem when it comes to work in our country. And, uh, you know, I saw this, it was a very interesting article on CNBC this past week, and it had to do with unused vacation days. And uh, so we're at a 40-year high of unused vacation days in the U.S., Pretty interesting. And the Wall Street Journal uh, put out an article recently by the U.S. Travel Association that said that Americans are throwing away $52.4 billion every year because they won't take time off, right? So maybe you're one of those people. I know, you know, if you're here, you've got all these, you know, vacation days. They're piling up. You're not using them. This is a huge deal in our culture. We as a culture just have a hard time resting, this sort of work-life balance. And it's, it's because of a lot of different reasons, you know, uh, jobs are unlimited supply, and so if you have a job, you feel like you need to work an enormous amount of hours, but it also has to do with uh, technology, right? Even when we're off work, we're, we're checking email, and we're looking at our iPhones, and we're going and going, and we're searching, and we're, and, and we're, and we're studying, and we're researching. We're doing all these things even when, when we're not at work. Um, another study uh, was put out by the TechCrunch uh, website, they found that in 2012, 80% of the people who responded continued to work virtually after they left the office. And then 38% checked email while they were eating dinner. 
uh, 69% said that they could not go to bed without checking in virtually one last time. So, you know, 11.30 at night, what else can you do, right? You get an email, what are you going to be able to do about this? And yet here we are, you know, late at night, we're, we're checking our email. So technology uh, it fuels this overwork, this sort of uh, lack of boundaries when it comes to our jobs. But it's not just our jobs. Uh, you know, the, there are many of us that, you know, hey, maybe we spend uh, an appropriate amount of time at the office, but then our whole life is busy. Our whole life is work, right? And so you're, you've got your, you know, maybe there's, it's a two-income family, so both people are working. But even when you're off work, you're taking the kids to activities, you know, weeknights, they're going to soccer practice, and weekends, they have baseball games, and you're going and going with your kids, and then there's also your hobbies and your activities that you're doing on weekends, going to the lake, taking out the boat, you know, all of these things, and you go on vacation, and then you feel like you need to take a vacation from your, your vacation, because it's a lot of work, right, and then there's volunteering, and so we go and go and go, and we never stop, and this is a huge problem in our culture. I want you to see that, and, and often we, we as Christians are no different. We're, we can't unplug from our, from our uh, technology. We can't uh, uh, draw good boundaries when it comes to work. We are just like the culture when it comes to busyness, and so this leads Dallas Willard, who's a famous uh, spiritual writer. He, he said this. He said that we as Americans, if we're going to thrive spiritually, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Dallas Willard said that. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. But the question is, how do we do this? Right? How do we ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives? We're so busy. How do we unplug? How do we stop? Well, here we come to the fourth commandment. Because the fourth commandment, this idea of the Sabbath, is God's answer to busyness. Uh, the fourth commandment, when God talks about the Sabbath, he's telling us, he's saying, this is how you eliminate hurry from your life. This is how you unplug this idea of Sabbath rest. And so we're going to talk about the Sabbath here in the fourth commandment. And I want to frame our conversation around three different questions. We're going to ask three different questions here of the Sabbath. Number one, what is the Sabbath? I mean, what is it here that, that is the answer to busyness? What is the Sabbath? Second of all, why do we need it? And then finally, how do we keep it? So what is the Sabbath? Why do we need it? How do we keep it? And so uh, let's, uh, let's look here at verse 8. <clears throat> God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, that you shall not do any work. Uh, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And on the seventh day, or on he, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The fourth commandment. So what is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Well, the word Sabbath literally means to stop. It literally means to stop. And, and what it was is, is God says, I want you to put a limit on your busyness. I want you to put a limit on your work. I want you to draw a boundary around your employment. And I want you to work six days, and on the seventh day, I want you to rest. So here we are, you know, you know, you know, millennia before work-life balance came along, God is saying, I want you to draw a boundary. I want you to make a limit. And one day out of seven, I want you to stop and I want you to rest. 
Now, this is hugely important. The Sabbath, uh, this, I want you to see that the Sabbath uh, commandment is the longest of all the, the, of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and this is also stated positively. So this is not a thou shalt not. It's the first positive commandment. And it was revolutionary. Uh, this commandment had no precedent or parallel. There was no other culture in the ancient world uh, whose God commanded them to do this. He said, look, I want you to stop your work. I want you to cease your labor. I want you to take one day to rest. And he says it's a day of, uh, that is set apart, a day that is holy. So it's also a day to worship. And so Eugene Peterson says the Sabbath day is a day for prayer or, or to play and to pray. To play and to pray. It's a day of worship and rest. It's a day to unplug. It's a day to stop your own work and recognize God's. This is the Sabbath day. Now, someone says, okay, this is a good for the Jews. I'm glad the Jews did this. It made them distinct and different. But, but really, this, this, is a, this is an Israel thing. We don't have to do this anymore, right? This is something, I mean, do we have to do this anymore? Well, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see where God roots the Sabbath, where God grounds the Sabbath. He says here, I want you to do this for, in verse 11, the six days God made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And rested on the seventh day. Look where God grounds the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are rooted in, the, in creation itself. In other words, this rhythm of work and rest is woven into the very fabric of creation. And so at the very beginning, God is, is creating the world. The, he creates the cosmos. And as the, as the climax, he creates human beings. And then to punctuate all of his work, God rests on the seventh day. Now, why did God do that? Was, did God need a nap? I thought God didn't get tired. God doesn't rest because he needed to rest. God rests to show us how to rest. And so my kids, uh, they, uh, my kids are, you know, they're all, almost all of them are in, in their bedroom now, sleeping in their own beds. But when they first graduate to the big boy beds, they don't know how to sleep. They're all terrified of their room. And so what do I need to do? For the first few months, few months, I need to lay down and, and, and lay down with my boys and, and sleep with them, at least for the first hour. And what am I doing? It's not because I'm tired. I'm showing them how to rest, and this is what God is doing. He's saying, this is how I've made you. Before sin even entered into the world, God says, this is, this is the world in perfection. This is the world as I intended it, and it's a world of work-life balance. It's a, wor it's a world... It has woven into its very fabric the rhythm of work and rest. So this is rooted in creation. And this means that it applies to all of us. All of us need to take a day of rest. It's part of the fabric of the world. It's not just a Jewish thing. Well, someone says, well, didn't Jesus break the tent? Didn't Jesus break the Sabbath? You know, Jesus went around healing people on the Sabbath. He got in trouble because he was breaking the Sabbath, right? Isn't that right? Well, actually, Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. Jesus loved the Sabbath. He called himself Lord of the Sabbath. And he wasn't breaking the Sabbath per se. He was breaking a twisted version of it. Because, listen, the Sabbath, this day of rest, is meant to be a gift to humanity. But the Jewish people, the Pharisees in the first century, had turned it into a burden. And so what have they done? They had created 1,521 rules 1,521 things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And so could you carry a glass of milk? Only enough for one swallow. Any more than that would be a burden. 
right? Could you carry a stone on the Sabbath? No, that would be a burden. Could you carry a child on the Sabbath? Well, a child is, is more of a joy than a burden most of the time. And so, yes, you can cherry, carry a child on the Sabbath, they said. Could you carry a child who was carrying a stone on the Sabbath? Ah, now you see why Jesus was so exasperated, right? Because they had turned this gift, this wonderful thing that was woven into the fabric of creation, they had made it into a religious burden, 1,521 things to do on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus said, not man for the Sabbath. It was for you. It, it was for me. God gave this for us. It's a gift, and I love what Barbara Brown Taylor says. She says, this is a gift that we are so reluctant to receive, it had to be commanded. Right? And so it's a gift, but it's also a commandment. This is serious business, keeping the Sabbath. This is not a suggestion. Uh, God doesn't say, you know, hey, this is a good idea if you want to do it, work-life balance. God commands us to take a Sabbath. And he's serious about it. Uh, you know, at the very end of Exodus, Exodus chapter 31 God is talking to Moses, and he's telling his, his, Moses, tell all my people to obey my commandments, but above all, Exodus 31, God says, tell them above all to keep my Sabbath. This is a serious commandment. Before we move on and ask the question, why do we need to keep it, I want to let you know that I am the chief of sinners here when it comes to this. You know, I, you know, I tell my wife, you know, here we are at home. I've told Susie that Friday is my day off. I wake up on Sunday with adrenaline. This is, not my, this is not my Sabbath. I work on Sunday. And so I try to take Sabbath as a day to worship and to rest. And I, was, I, and I struggle with this. I'm always checking email, and I'm always got my phone on that day and, and researching and doing all sorts of stuff. I cannot stop and unplug. And so I was telling my wife, I was saying, you know, I struggle with this, babe, and I need to Man, I need to try and make an effort to, to practice Sabbath in my life. I just need to do this more. But listen, I don't approach any of the other Ten Commandments like this. I would never give myself permission to say, you know, I'm really trying to take steps to try to, to not murder so much. I don't say that. You know, I, I, don't, I never give myself commission to commit less adultery this week. And yet here I am saying, yeah, I need to really try Sabbath. I don't take it seriously. This is a command. This is serious business. God says, above all, I want you to keep my Sabbath. Sabbath. One day out of seven, I want you to cease from your labor. Be unproductive. Worship and rest. Pray and play. Are you keeping the Sabbath? Well, let's ask the second question. Why should we do this? Why is the Sabbath so important? Why is God so serious about keep, keeping the commandment? Because it seems so uh, kind of a waste of time, right? I mean, you might be saying, I don't really need to do this. This is so inefficient. Uh, you know, when, when billionaire uh, Bill Gates was asked why he didn't believe in God, he said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on Sunday, he said. Right? So this seems so inefficient, and we all suffer for this, right? You know, Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Why do we need to do this? Why is this so important? Why the Sabbath? Well, first, because God commands it. 
uh, first and most importantly, God commands us to keep the Sabbath. And we need to trust God. Right? God wrote the instruction manual for the human. And when he says you need to do this, you need to trust God. God knows you better than you do. And even if you don't think you need to do this, God says you need to carve out space, you need to put up a limit and take a Sabbath. God says you need to do this and we need to trust him. But then second of all, all, we need to keep the Sabbath because uh, the Sabbath is necessary for our full flourishing as human beings. Right? If we're going to live human lives the way we're supposed to live them, if we're going to be fully human, fully alive, if we're going to flourish as humans, we have got to do this. We need to rest. You need to stop. You know, think about it. If you went on a road trip to California, it's a very long distance. And imagine if you said, look, I'm going to go on a road trip, and I'm not going to stop once. It's a waste of time. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm, just, I'm going to make it to California. No, you're going to run out of gas because your tank is limited right? And your pregnant wife is going to be angry. And all of your kids in the van are going to be angry as you're there sitting in the hot sun. Not that I'm speaking (laughs) from experience. Gas tanks are limited and you are limited. You are a finite human being. You are not God. And you need to stop for your own good. God created you this way. It's part of the fabric of the world. And when you burn the candle at both ends, when, when you go and go and go, you're not being an overachiever or overzealous. You're being self-destruction, destruction, destructive, because you're going against the fabric of the way you've been created. It's going to destroy you. It's going to hurt you. The Chinese character uh, for busyness is made up of, of a combination of two different characters for busyness. The first is kill, and the second is heart. Right? So uh, when you are busy, when you don't stop, you're actually going against the grain, the fabric of your creation, and it hurts you. Uh, there's, a, there's an American devotional writer, her name is Letty Kalman, and uh, she, wrote a, a, she told a story about this traveler who was visiting Africa, and, and she was engaging a group of carriers and guides, right? She's in Africa, and there's camels and guides, and they're going to take her to her destination, And she was so excited because on the first day, they went an enormous distance. And she's like, yes, this is going to be a swift trip. I'm going to get there, you know, when I'm on time. And she was all excited. She was from America. But then to her chagrin, the second day, the whole caravan didn't move an inch. And so she was furious. What's going on? And so she goes up to the the leader of the guide, and she says, why aren't we moving? And he said, listen, yesterday we went too far too fast. And our souls need to keep up with our bodies. Our souls need to catch up to our bodies. And here's what Letty Kalman says. She says, this whirling, rushing life, which so many of us live, does not for us, or does for us what the first march did for those poor jungle tribesmen. The difference is they know what they needed to restore life's balance. Too often, we do not. So when we don't keep the Sabbath, we hurt ourselves. We damage our soul. We kill our heart. You need to rest. But, but second of all, Sabbath, uh, or third of all, Sabbath orients you to God. It orients you to God because when you stop, when, when you take a break from all of your busyness, you, you tell yourself that you are not the center of the universe. 
when you stop for just one day, you realize that the world keeps going without you. And you need to know that. You need to know that you, you, do, not, you do not uphold the world by yourself. Now, I know that, that we're all very busy people, and we have a lot to do. But I guarantee that none of you have on your to-do list run the universe. And if you can't take one day, if you cannot carve out one day out of seven, you are taking yourself way too seriously. You are not God. Now, somebody says, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. You know, I'm living hand to mouth. But listen, when the Sabbath was first given to the Jewish people, it was in the wilderness with the manna. Do you remember the story of the manna in the wilderness? God was sending uh, bread down from heaven. And what did he say then? He said, look, I want you to gather the food six days, and one day I want you to rest. Why? Because when they stopped and when they rested, they told themselves, God is our provider. And when you stop, even when you're busy, even when you're living hand to mouth, it's an act of trust. It's a revolutionary act of trust where you are saying, I don't provide for myself. I don't run the universe. I am a contingent being, and God is my provider. The world will go on without you. The Sabbath orients you to God. But Sabbath also helps you to remember the needs of others around you. Because when you fail to keep the Sabbath, you actually hurt other people in your lives. Uh, Eugene Peterson put it this way. He says, our lives are so interconnected that we inevitably involve others in our work, whether we intend or not. Sabbath keeping is elemental kindness, he says. Sabbath keeping is commanded to preserve the image of God in our neighbors so that we see them as they are, not as we intend them or want them to be. The moment we begin to see others in terms of what they can do rather than who they are, humanity is defaced and community is violated. So in other words, you need to keep the Sabbath because it helps you love other people in your life. You know, I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling, and uh, there was this one couple I was talking to, and we were talking about communication. And uh, it was not you guys, don't worry. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I was talking to this couple, and uh, I said, how do you guys communicate? And they said, we, com- we communicate pretty well, I think. I think we're pretty good at this, I- unless we're, like, really exhausted, unless we're really tired. And so then I asked them, well, how often are you exhausted? I said, well, we're exhausted all the time. And I said, do, do you understand that your-, your busyness is putting a strain on your communication? It's hurting your relationships. And so you're connected to your children, and you're connected to your spouse, and and you're connected to your employees. And when you fail to take a day off, it's not just bad for you, it's bad for them. Notice when God gives the Sabbath commandment here, he says, "This this is a day that is not only for kings and princes, it's also for slaves. And it's not only a day for men, it's a day for women. And it's not only a day for humanity, even the cows get to rest. You see, the Sabbath is an act of justice. It is a limit of love, not only for yourself, but for all of those around you. Are you keeping the Sabbath? But then finally, the Sabbath helps you to understand that you are not your work. 
Your work does not define you. You are not what you make of yourself in the real world. And the Sabbath reminds you of that. You know, I used to work at a, at a company, and, and I remember I would have a, a yearly review. And uh, some of those reviews were not very good. And I remember my supervisor at one of these reviews, she looked at me and she said, Brent, your performance is bad. But she says, you're better than that. What was she saying? She was saying, you are your work. You are your job performance, and you're better than that. Listen, when you take a break, when you shut everything off and you put a limit on your work, you tell yourself that you are a human being made in the image of God. You're not a work unit. You are not what you produce. And listen, ancient cultures, you know, they, they define themselves by family. But in our modern world, we define our identities by our work, by what we can achieve, by the goals we set and whether we make them. And the Sabbath tells you, you are not what you do. You are not your work. You are more than what you make of yourself in the real world. You are image of God. And the Sabbath tells you all of this. And so this is why we should keep the Sabbath. Number one, what is the Sabbath? It is, it is a limit on work. It is a day of worship and rest. Why should we do it? God commands it. It's good for you. It's good for others. Your work doesn't define you if you do this. And you were never made to work and work and work. That, that's called slavery. God gave us the Sabbath for full flourishing. This is a limit that leads to freedom. Are you taking it? Are you ruthlessly eliminating hurry from your life? Really? But then finally, how do we do this? How do we do this? Because someone is saying, you know, I, <laughs> I have a hard time doing this. And I, like I've shared, I have a hard time doing this. You know, I could put it in the calendar. Friday, like I said, is my day off. But on Friday, inevitably, I find myself picking up my iPhone and searching the Internet. On Fridays, I, I find myself, you know, thinking about my sermon, right? It's two days away. On Fridays, even though I put up that calendar limit, I still have a problem shutting off. And so how do we do this? Does anybody else struggle with this? Am I the only one? <laughs> right? How do we really shut ourselves off? We need to realize that the Sabbath is not so much a calendar issue, it's a heart issue. Your rest is not so much an issue of, a, of the calendar, but it's with your heart. And so whenever you find yourself breaking the Sabbath, you don't just say, oh, I broke the Sabbath, I need to stop that. You have to ask, ask the question, why am I breaking the Sabbath? Why am I doing this? What's going on in my heart? Why can't I shut off? Because it, at, at the root, at the bottom, the Sabbath is a heart issue. It has to do with what's going on on the inside. Because we as human beings have a problem. And our problem is this. We feel like we need to work to justify our existence. We feel like we need to be busy. We feel like our kids need to be busy. We feel like we need to be achieving in order to justify our existence. To tell ourselves that we are not bums. George Bernard Shaw, the Irish playwright, uh, he was also the head of the London School of Economics. In one of his plays, the, one of his characters said this, everyone must justify their existence or perish. And this, almost this very same line uh, came out of the character in, you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? 
that, that historical fiction about the 1924 Olympics, there is the character Harold Abrams, who is a workaholic. He's got to win, and he's incredibly driven, and he's anxious about it, and he has anxiety, and he's stressed out. And at one point, somebody says, Harold, you're successful. You're winning races. Why are you so frustrated? And he reveals his heart. This is what he says. He says, now in, in an hour's time, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor. He's a runner. Four feet wide with only ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? Well, that line always gets me. I've got ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? And listen, we're not, we're not Olympic runners. We have more than 10 seconds. We have 20 or 30 years. We are working hard, and we are incredibly busy trying to tell ourselves that we're somebody, that we're justified, that we're okay, that we're not bums. Here's what Christianity gives you. Christianity gives you a new identity that is not based on your work. Here's the wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross in order to justify you, in order to, to make you a child of God, in order to form you in his image, in order to give you an identity not based upon your achievement or your work or your busyness, but based on his achievement and his work and his busyness. And on the cross, Jesus cried out. What did he cry out? It is finished. Thank you, Susie. It is finished. The work to justify your existence is done. Jesus Christ did it for you. And what does this mean? It means that you've got an identity. You know who you are. And what does that mean? That means that on the seventh day, you can stop. When you really know who you are, and you're not using all this other stuff to tell you who you are, on that seventh day, you can stop. So Jesus Christ enables you to rest, but also the seventh day, it preaches the gospel to you. Every single day, one in seven, you tell yourself, I am what I am because what Jesus Christ has done. And it's finished. And so rest. Put up the limits. Cease from your labor. Be unproductive. Pray and play. Because the work has been accomplished. Are you taking a Sabbath? Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You need it. You are made in the image of God, and God tells you you need to do this. And listen, imagine if we as Christians in our culture of busyness would do this. I mean, imagine if we in our culture were people that could just lay down our work. And even though all the stresses are out there, we could just absolutely stop and unplug we would be so incredibly countercultural. And people would look at us and they would know something about the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this, this command, the, the Sabbath, Lord, which is truly a limit for us that leads to our freedom. And God, I pray that you would um, help us, Lord, those of us who have an issue, which is really all of us, with, with just going and going and going. I pray that you would enable us, Lord, to draw a firm boundary, a boundary around a day that helps us understand more deeply and more profoundly what the gospel is about. God, help us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.